0: Alright, I want you to open up your Bibles today to the book of Ephesians. We're going to be answering the question today and looking at the question of why we sing at church. But before we do that, I I want to go back and recap just for a second about what Halim spoke about a few weeks ago on the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to bore you with the story. It's a long story, but um, I'm going back in the text a little bit because we skipped a little part here that I felt like we needed to address as a church. And so that's what we're going to do. So Harlem taught us on the Holy Spirit a few weeks ago. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Let's read the text again. It says, and do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And there's a couple of things that Holland talked about in regards to the Holy Spirit. And as a reminder, we talked about how the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. You've got God the Father, you've got God the Son, and you have God the Holy Spirit. And we talked about how the Holy Spirit is, it's not a force. He is a person, and therefore we don't respond or speak of the Holy Spirit as an it, but we speak of the Holy Spirit as a he, because that's what he is. We also talked about, Holly made an incredible point that the Holy Spirit is proof to us that throughout history, God has been moving progressively closer to us. He's been moving progressively closer to us. Now, during the Old Testament, God was above us. He dwelled above us. He he spoke to us in a, a pillar of cloud. He spoke to us in burning bushes. God was other than us. He's above us. And so his glory was something that we could not behold. But then in the New Testament, God moved closer to us. He took a step closer to us. And, and God did not just dwell above us, but God, through Christ, dwelt among us. And that's what it says. And don't turn there, but just watch. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And the Word, that's Christ, that's God, the Word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only Son, from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so in the Old Testament, God dwelt above us. In the New Testament, God dwelt among us. But now, in the church era, which is where we currently find ourselves, God has taken even a step closer to us through the Holy Spirit. And in John chapter 14, verse 16, it tells us this. Jesus said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you a helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the whole world cannot receive, but it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. That's unbelievable. God in the Old Testament spoke to us in pillars of cloud and in burning bushes. God in the New Testament spoke to us through the mouth of Christ as he walked among us. And now the scripture says that God himself is now in you. That's amazing. And Hallam spoke about how your ability, and I want you to hear this today, that your ability to obey God. That your ability to walk in his power, your ability to experience God comes from the Holy Spirit. That when you obey the Lord, when you walk out these doors today and you obey God and walk with Christ, the power to do that comes from the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of you if you are in fact a believer. All right, so let's go back to the text today. Ephesians 5.18, he says, And do not get drunk with wine. For that is debauchery or dissipation or excess, but be filled with the Spirit. All right, now here's the thing. Let me just say this. Why does Paul put that phrase in there, do not get drunk with wine? He's talking about obeying God, walking with God. You need to be filled with the Spirit to do that. Why does he drop that phrase, do not get drunk with wine in there? He could have very easily said, if you want to obey God, if you want to experience the power of God, be filled with the Spirit, but he makes the phrase, do not get drunk with wine. And does I mean, does Paul just have an agenda against drinking? You know, why, why what's his point? Is, maybe Paul's Southern Baptist. I mean, that's it. And he just wants to make sure that you're not out there drinking or whatever. But, but, and here's the thing. I want to be really clear. Drunkenness is a sin. Absolutely. Drunkenness is a sin. But that's not Paul's point. What was going on in Ephesus there in the first century is that the pagan religions used alcohol in their worship services. And they would drink. And as they got drunk, they felt like it drew them closer to their God. They felt like they could experience God if they got drunk. And they didn't just get drunk, they got hammered. There's archaeological evidence of these places in the pagan worship temples where they would go and they would vomit during their worship services. And so that's what Paul is trying to say. He's like, look, I know you've heard about that, maybe even seen that, but that's not how that works. You don't draw near to God, you don't walk in obedience to God by being drunk, you draw near to God through the filling of the Holy Spirit in your life, okay? Now, look at the text again, he says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery or sin, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, listen, I want you to pay attention to that uh, verb tense there, be filled, because understanding what he's saying here teaches us a lot about what Paul is trying to accomplish ...in us through this teaching. That verb right there, be filled, is the present imperative in the Greek. It's the present imperative. And that's a verb tense that means uh, it carries with it the idea of an immediate but an ongoing action. In other words, it's not just something that happens one time, but it happens continually or should be happening continually. So what he's literally saying here is don't get drunk with wine for that's dissipation, but continually be being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Now, what he's saying is this, and I want you to be clear. Um, We know, biblically, that the presence of the Holy Spirit will always be in you. If you're truly a believer, if you've trusted in Christ and his completed work on the cross to forgive you of your sins, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and his presence will always be with you. But what this text is saying is that the filling of the Holy Spirit will not always be in you. And if you want to walk in obedience to the Lord, you want to experience the power of God in your everyday life, Paul's saying you've got to be being filled with the Spirit. And so in other words, what he's trying to say is this, is that if left unattended, the power of the Holy Spirit will diminish in your life. Okay, And it's always there, the power's always there, but you won't experience in your life. It's kind of like exercise. That's one way to think about it. When I was... um, when I was in college, with Texas A&M, when I was at A&M, I was in the Corps of Cadets, and, um, and I exercised all the time. I, I, we would run five days a week at least two miles, sometimes three, four, five, sometimes six miles on a Friday. And I, I counted one time, and I was averaging my freshman year, about a thousand push-ups a week, or a day, a thousand push-ups a day, and about a thousand sit-ups a day, and then whatever other devious exercises my upperclassmen could come up with and use your imagination. And as a result of that, church, I know it's hard to imagine looking at the old fat guy now, but I was ripped my freshman and sophomore and junior and senior year at a and I had a six pack, I, I didn't have love handles, my face was like all chiseled and stuff. I was a beautiful specimen of man when I was in college. And you, have you ever seen me and my wife together? You're like, how in the world did he marry her? And that's because I was fine back in the day. But, but here's the thing. When I graduated, when I graduated, I made the decision that I was never gonna exercise again in the rest of my life. I'm like, I'm never running again. I don't care if somebody's chasing me. I'm not running ever again. And I didn't for a really long time. And it's, a, it's amazing what happened is about after a month, I look down, and the six-pack's gone. The, I'm getting fat in places I didn't know I could grow fat in. And the, the beautiful specimen of man went away and went away really, really fast. And, and that, that's really what Paul is saying about the Spirit. It's like he's saying, when we're, when we're filled with the Spirit of God, we experience God's power. And we're able to walk in obedience, when we stop being filled with the spirit, we will stop experiencing the powers there, but we'll stop experiencing God's power and we probably won't walk in obedience. He says, "Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled, be being filled with the spirit." And so that brings us to a really important question. And that is, okay, if I the, the spirit's in me, but I got to be filled with it in order to experience God's power and walk in holiness, then how then do I be filled with spirit? How am I going to continually be being filled? And Hallem gave us one a couple of weeks ago. And it's really simple. And it's one of those things that you hear it and you've heard it so often in your life as a believer that can kind of glaze over it, but we need to quit glazing over it. And one of the ways that we know that you can be filled with the, uh, with the spirit and therefore walk in obedience to God is through God's word. It's through God's word. Scripture teaches you want to be filled with the Spirit of God, spend time in the Bible. Colossians 3, which is like, almost like a parallel passage to Ephesians 5, basically says the same stuff, um, except Paul adds one little addendum here, it's real similar, I'm gonna, don't turn there, but Colossians three sixteen, Paul says this, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs, hear so- spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts of God. That's almost an identical passage to what I'm about to read you in uh, Ephesians, but he adds the little phrase, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. He's talking about being filled with the Spirit, and he says, if you want to be filled with the Spirit, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You want to experience the power of God, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I think the key word there is richly. Paul's not talking about, hey, open up your Bible and read a passage on your way out the door. That's great if that's all you can do. But he's saying you want to be filled with the Spirit of God in your life. You need to let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. And guys, I want you to know something. It's absolutely been true in my life. It's absolutely been true in my life. And I just want you to know this about me. I don't... I don't walk around every moment of my life feeling and experiencing the supernatural power of God. I don't. I don't walk around every day out there as I live my life and do my thing um, just filled with the Spirit of God. If you ever watch me coach my son's baseball team, you know that guy's not filled with the Spirit right now. But here's what I found. There's something that occurs when I let the Word of God dwell, which dwell richly in my heart. And I'm not talking about just reading the scripture, it's when I, I let it dwell in me richly, every single time, every single time he speaks to me, I sense his presence, I feel his joy, I feel his peace, and I am filled with the Spirit, and I'm able to walk in obedience with him and experience his power in my life. I mean, one of the, when I counsel people, one of the things, one of the very first things, when I counsel people that are really mired in sin, one of the very first things I'll ask them every time is, how's your time in the Word? It's a real simple question. And every single solitary time when you have a person that's mired in sin, their answer will be, not very good. My time in the Word is not very good, Matt. I've never, ever, 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 ever in 20 years of ministry talked to a person walking in an affair and you ask them the question, how's your time with the Lord in the word of God? And they go, oh man, it's great. It's great. Oh yeah, man, I'm spending time in the word every day. It's awesome. Oh, but I'm having an affair. That never, ever happens. There is a direct connection between you letting the word of Christ dwell richly in your heart and your ability to walk out these doors and walk in. In obedience, Every single time when you see somebody backsliding and running from God and running from the church, two things are always there every single time in 20 years of ministry. They've walked away from community and they've walked away from reading the Bible and getting in the word. There is an absolute connection. And there are a lot of us in the room right now. There are a lot of you in the room right now. You would begin to see victory in your life. You would begin to experience victory over the things that plague you in your life if you would just start consistently getting your backside in the Bible. And, 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 and as you dwell richly on the Word of God, you will be filled. If, if you're saved, you will be filled with the Spirit. You'll start experiencing the power of God and you'll begin to overcome some of those obstacles in your life. For some of us, not all of us, but for some of us, it's literally that simple and we think we've got to jump through all these hoops, and it's not easy to read your Bible, and it's literally for some of us that simple. All right? So that's, that's the first thing Paul says, how we are filled with the Spirit, experience His power, and walk in obedience. But then, interestingly, he says something else here. Look at Ephesians 5.18 again, and watch what he says. This one is, for some of you, it's going to be shocking maybe. He says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, <coughs> but be filled with the Spirit, Watch what he says in verse 19, very first thing. He says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, go back to verse 19. Let me read it again. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Paul makes the statement that we are to be being filled with the Spirit, and in Ephesians 5, church, listen, the very first thing he says on how we are to do that is to sing, to sing. And have you ever stopped for one second in your life and ever asked the question, why do we sing in church? Have you ever wondered that? This verse gives us the answer. But have you ever just stopped and like, why do we spend 30 minutes singing? Before some guy gets up and preaches the Bible. See, because preaching the Bible makes sense. We're Christians. This is our book. This is the word of God. To talk about it, that makes sense. But why in this place do we come in here and sing? If you grew up in church, it's no big deal. You get it. You've always sung in church. But imagine if you had never come into church in your whole life and you just walk through those doors and all of a sudden there's a bunch of grown people in here raising their hands, singing. It would probably be weird to you. And I know that's true, I, I, I randomly came across on the internet this, um, and I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about it, maybe you can look it up, it's really fascinating, but these two atheists from England that have this huge podcast in England decided that they wanted to come to a mega church in the United States to figure out what in the world was going on, and somehow they came across our church. So these two atheist dudes that run this podcast got on an airplane, flew, and came here and sat through two of our worship services. I didn't know they were here, and they came in here and the thing that tripped them out the most... The thing that just completely blew their minds were you guys singing. They couldn't figure out why people that looked intelligent, and that's what they said. There's all these young people from the University of Texas that looked really intelligent, and they were singing, and it, they couldn't figure it out. And so why is it that we do that? Well, the, the answer to the question is found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19. What Paul says is that we are to be being filled with the Spirit. It's how we walk in the power of God. And one of the ways that you and I are able to be filled with the Spirit of God is when we sing. That's what it says, right? Now, there's three aspects of worship through singing that help us be filled with the Spirit. We're going to look through those three. We're done. All right, so here's, here's the first one. Paul talks about how there is a, listen, there's a spiritual impact horizontally when we sing. There's a spiritual impact horizontally when we sing. Watch what he says in verse 18. He says, do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. In verse 19, he says, addressing one another. Addressing one another. In the Greek, that also can mean encouraging. Encourage one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's fascinating to me. He doesn't say, be filled with the spirit. And the first thing he says is not, and address the Lord with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. He says, be filled with the Spirit and address one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Paul's saying is that one of the ways that you can be filled with the Spirit of God is when you are singing with the body of Christ. And I love that. I love that because I have seen it to be true my whole life. I didn't really realize till this last few weeks that it was very biblical, but I've experienced that throughout my whole life. When I was in college, I walked into, I to show this story several times, when I walked into a Bible study, I'd been running from God like crazy. I didn't go to church one time, my first semester of my freshman year, and this guy invited me to a Bible study and I was running from God like crazy, was just admired in all manner of sin. This guy invited me to Bible study. I don't even know why I went. I went and I walked in the door and this small group of people was saying, Lords, you are more precious than silver. Lords, you are more costly than gold. Lords, you are more beautiful than diamonds and nothing I desire compares to you. And I believe I was saved at eight years old, but I believe that was the first time in my life other than my salvation that I was filled with the spirit I was being addressed by the body of Christ with songs and hymns and spiritual songs. I was filled with the spirit and I made the decision that moment, I'm gonna follow Jesus and I have ever since that moment of my life. When I was young in the ministry, 22 years old, I was, as a youth pastor, I was getting the crud beat out of me that first year. I was in a church full of some mean people and they were mean to me and I came this close to quitting. And I'm not just saying, I mean, I was about to quit. All this Austin Stone thing almost never happened because I almost quit. And I got invited to a pastor's promise keepers convention. In in 1996, in Atlanta, Georgia, and with 60,000 pastors singing holy, holy, holy at the top of, of their lungs, I began to be filled with the Spirit. And as I was filled with the Spirit, I began to hear the nudging of the Holy Spirit reminding me that I am not in the ministry because man called me into the ministry. I'm in the ministry because the Lord God Almighty called me into the ministry. And I was filled with the Spirit. And I began to remain and endure even though it was really hard. It was 2005, January 2005, Passion Conference. It was something like 60,000 college students. And I was in a place in my life where I was mired in some sin. And I was really struggling to believe that God loved me. Some of you know what that's like. God, how could you love me when I keep failing here, here, and here, and here? And with 60,000 college students, we sang that song that Aaron just sang it as well, with one of the best lines in Christian music history. Oh my sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. And I was filled with the Spirit. And I was reminded that my standing before the Lord and the Lord's love for me is not based on what I've done right or I've done wrong. That, That God's love for me is based on the blood of Christ that He shed on the cross. And I began to walk in the love of the Lord. In May of that year, I was diagnosed with cancer on a Wednesday. And then on a Sunday, I sat right in that chair right there. And, the very, and everybody knew I'd been diagnosed with cancer and the very first song that Chris Tomlin played that day was Blessed Be Your Name. It's the first song he played. And Lord, and I, uh, Lord you give and you take away but my heart will choose to say, blessed be your name. And with me sitting there on that front row, not knowing whether I was going to live or not knowing whether I was going to die, not knowing whether I was going to be able to raise my kids or my kids were going to be orphaned, I lift my hands as high as I could lift them. And I sang those words, Lord, you give and Lord, you take away. But my heart today will choose to say, blessed be your name. And as I sang and you sang and we sang together, I was filled with the spirit and I was comforted and I was able to keep on walking. When you come in the doors of, these church, of this church, I want you to understand something. When you, when you sit in that chair, when you stand in those aisles and you begin to sing church, you do not just sing for your own benefit. When you sing, you're not just singing for your filling of the spirit. What the scripture is teaching us is that when you sing, You are singing so that others around you can be filled with the Spirit. That's what it's saying. You sing because the person next to you may be walking through cancer. And they need to be filled with the Spirit in that moment so that they can be comforted and have strength. You sing so that the, because the person in front of you might be mired in sin and, and you sing so that they can be addressed with a song and a hymn and a spiritual song and they can be reminded of the love God has for them through the cross of Jesus and the sin they no longer bear. You sing because the person behind you may be walking through a difficult marriage and they need to be filled with the spirit so they can go home and love a husband or a wife that may be really difficult to love. You sing because the person two two hours over may have lost a loved one and they need to be filled with the Spirit so they can remember that God is sovereign and He is on His throne. You address one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs so that others around you may be filled with the Spirit. And I hear all the time people say, Matt, I'm just not into worship. I'm just not into singing. Well, that very much may be true, but the Holy Spirit-inspired word of God is saying to us that your brothers and your sisters in this body need you to be in to worship. I need you to be in to worship. The first reason we sing is for one another. Ephesians 5.18, he says, do not get drunk with wine, for that's the botcher. Be filled with the Spirit addressing one another. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, watch what it says next. It says, singing and making melody to the Lord. With your heart. The second aspect of worship through song that causes us to be filled with the Spirit, we address one another. The second is when we have a vertical worship experience with the Lord. We sing and make melody in our hearts to the Lord. All right? Church, with the exception of me getting into the Word of God, there is no greater way that I have found in my life to be filled with the Spirit than when I sing. I sing and make melody to the Lord. And there are times, there are times when I'm not preaching especially, because when I'm preaching on a given week, I spend all week in the Word of God, I spend all week in prayer, I avoid sin like the plague, and so I walk in this door, I'm all filled up, I'm fired up, I'm filled with the Spirit. But there's a lot of times in my life when I walk in those doors and I'm not filled with the Spirit. Y'all know what that's like. You come in here, we start singing, you're not filled with the Spirit. You've been fighting with your wife, yelling at your kids. You're hungry. You're not filled with the Spirit. But there have been lots of times over the years that I've walked in this place not filled with the Spirit. But church, I want you to know something. I can count on one hand over the last 13 years, the time I've walked out of here, not filled with the Spirit. And here's why. Why? Because every time I walk into this place, here's what happens. One, if I'm not filled with the Spirit, I hear you singing. You begin to address me with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I'm filled with the Spirit. Two, I come in here, I'm not filled with the Spirit. You're addressing me with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That ain't working. And so here's what I do. I sing out of obedience. I sing because the Word of God commands me here, this is not a request, it's command of the text, we are commanded to sing. And here's what happens when I sing, not have an overflow, but I sing out of obedience, that as I sing on the front row out of obedience to the Lord, then inevitably what happens, listen, is my soul is reminded of my love for the Lord. I'm singing out of obedience, but as I sing out of obedience, my soul is reminded of my love for the Lord. I'm filled with the Spirit, and it's easy to sing at that point, okay? I, we're, we're about to sing a song here in a second. It says, I love, I love, it's called Love Came Down, and, and we chose this song for this reason. There's a line in it that says, mountain high or valley low. I, mountain high or valley low, I sing out to remind my soul, that I am yours, I am forever yours. Sometimes you're going to walk in here, you're going to sing, have an overflow of an amazing week, and sometimes you're going to come in here and you need to sing to the Lord out of obedience. But when you do, you will be filled with the Spirit of God. Now, last thing, last aspect of worship through singing that helps us be filled with the Spirit, experience the power of God, walk out of here, walk in obedience. Ephesians 19, 519, he says, address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Watch what he says in verse 20. Giving thanks. Giving thanks always and for everything to God. Giving thanks always and everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ. One of the ways that God has filled me with the Spirit through worship is when I'm sitting on the front row of this church and I'm overcome with thankfulness for what God has done for me. And I don't know if you've noticed, if you guys have been around for a while, you've noticed that there are times when i walk up on the stage and I have to compose myself before I can pray. It happens every once in a while. I'm 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 choked up, and I have to compose myself to get prayers out. I'm not doing that to impress you. I'm not doing doing that to try to look spiritual. I, I don't do that because I'm an emotional person. Because honestly, I'm not an emotional person. I do that because I can't tell you how many times over the years, I'm on the front row. I'm not filled with the Spirit. I, I'm 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 singing out of obedience, and all of a sudden, it hits me like a ton of bricks. Everything that God has done for me. And I'm singing and my soul is reminded that he's pursued me and known my name before I was ever born. It hits me and I I am reminded that that there has not been one single solitary second of this life that I've walked in this world alone. It hits me and I'm reminded that, that, that God has changed my life completely through his blood. And I sit there and I'm overwhelmed with thankfulness for the cross and his love for me and I'm filled with the spirit of God and I sing and I walk out of here filled with the spirit. And listen, church, I want you to know something. We're almost done, listen. If you can come into this place week after week after week after week and you can't worship, you can't sing, for no other reason than out of thankfulness for what God has done for you. Something's wrong. If it never hits you, the word of God says we are filled with the spirit because of the singing of the body of Christ. If you come in here and you're never filled with the spirit because it hits you, everything he's done for me, If that never, ever happens, something is wrong. Something's missing. And you need to grab somebody and you grab a pastor and you need to talk about that because something is absolutely wrong. Well, Matt, I don't sing because I hate the sound of my voice. I got a horrible voice. I want you to know something. God could care less about the quality of the sound of your voice. He's the one that gave you the voice. Two people on, on staff here at the Stone, and I have not asked their permission to say this, and I don't care. Um, <laughs> Kevin Peck and Todd Ingstrom. Kevin Peck's the lead pastor of our church. He just he makes all this happen. He's the man. He runs this thing. And Todd Ingstrom, same thing. One of the executive pastors, they run this thing. They are two, and I'm not bragging. It's a fact. They're two of the, the best church minds on planet Earth. They are pursued literally all over the world for their opinion on church. Two of the best church minds on the planet, maybe in the history of the church, and they are two of the worst singers in the history of the church. One time I was sitting on the front row and Kevin Pecks on my left, Todd Inkson's on my right, and it sounded like goats being slaughtered, and I had to leave, a true story, I left and went to another row. But I love, and it was horrible, but I love these guys, because they're just going after it. It's the worst thing you've ever heard, but they're going after it. Because they love the Lord. And God looks at that and he hears that. He says, the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. He's, he didn't care about the quality of your voice. He's, he's looking at the condition of your heart. But Matt, I'm, I'm a man, I'm uncomfortable. Worship's uncomfortable for me. King David, he was pretty manly. Killed lions and bears as a kid, killed giants as a teenager fought in hand-to-hand combat all of his adulthood, pretty manly, and yet when he encountered the presence of the Lord, he shouted, he danced, and he sang, and if you are a man or you are a woman after God's own heart, so will you, so will you. And so what we're gonna do today is we're not gonna be hearers of the word, we're gonna be doers of the word. So we're gonna sing, we're gonna sing. And here's why we're gonna sing, we're gonna sing for one another, for the people around you that desperately need to be filled with the Spirit of God. We're gonna sing because our souls need to be reminded today of God's love for us. We need to walk out of here different, reminded of God's love for us as we approach this week of Good Friday and Easter. And we're going to sing because of all that he's done for us. We're going to sing because we are a thankful people of who God is and what he's done through the cross. And so let's stand together right now. And I'm going to pray you prepare your heart. a brother back there stretching, he's getting ready, like that, getting ready. Let's sing, let's pray together. Father, we love you. I thank you that you're a God that's worth singing to. One, you're alive, you're not some statue, that you rose from the grave, and your living God that hears our our voices, Lord. I pray today that there would be some people in this room that for the very first time in their life would be filled with your spirit and that they would have the experience that I had all those years ago. We're like, oh, (laughs) that's what I've been looking for my whole life. I pray many would be encouraged. I pray your name would be exalted. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen.